In this episode, Daniel Mendoza shares his experience as the women's head coach at the University of Windsor. An awesome dynamic as his brother's the men's coach at the University of Windsor. Talks about legacy, empowering his student athletes, and what it's taken to take a program that struggled and to start the rebuilding process. I know you'll love this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Karen Coach's Corner Chats, and on the podcast today, I'm super excited to talk with Daniel Mendonca. Daniel, where are you at and what you're up to? Awesome, Karen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm located in uh, Windsor, Ontario. From a coaching perspective of about today, I'm, I'm the head coach of the women's soccer team at the University of Windsor, um, which is right on the border of Detroit. So we're, uh, our, our campus overlooks the Detroit River. Uh, we can see downtown Detroit from where we are. Um, I've been the head coach. I, I'm going to say this is my third year, but actually, you know, 2020 doesn't really count because we didn't have a season. So, um, you know, I'm going to my second season, but uh, right now that's, that's what I'm doing. I also um, work heavily in learning and development as well in my, in my other life. So um, I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, the development of, of others, the success of others. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at today. So how did you end up at the University of Windsor? What was kind of the, the moving the journey to get to that point? Yeah, through my childhood, I, I moved around a lot. So I actually um, spent a lot of time in, in Michigan and South Florida. Um, South Florida is really where uh, I came to love the game of soccer. Um, I played for a club down there called Weston um, FC, which is an academy club now. Um, but as, as we kind of moved back to Windsor back in, I guess, 2001, I believe it was, um, I had really committed myself to growing up and, and, and being a soccer player at a, at a high level. Um, and at around 15, 16, I had to decide what that high level was like everyone else, uh, whether they're going to continue on or they're not. And, um, I went through the recruiting process, no different than everyone else. But the thing was, um, my dad, who was a big, very passionate into coaching and coached for a really long time, decided to, you know, bring me out to practices and, and, you know, no different than a lot of other coaches stories, I feel like, um, how they got into it. Um, so I was picking up cones, kicking balls around, you know, listening to him, hearing him and, and, uh, he was really busy with work all the time and, and coaching with him became this like way that myself and my brother, um, who's actually the head coach of the men's team at Windsor, um, and uh, how we this this kind of family bonding uh, thing we did, and, and I started coaching my first team. Um, I coached a U nine boys team at sixteen years old um, in Canada. You can't; it's not like the U.S. In Canada, you can't drive. Um, you can get your beginners at sixteen, but you can't drive by yourself. So my mom had to drive me to every practice and game of the kids I was coaching. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's a funny it's a funny little origin story that I throw up from time to time when I I give my background because. Um, it wasn't just my commitment in that case. It was my mom's commitment as well uh, to get me to the field. Um, parents would pick me up from time to time with some of the kids, and and uh, it was it was great. Um, and and from that, I really just started to develop kind of a passion for coaching and and helping people learn and develop um, as a whole. And and um, and then it came the time to as a player where I had to make a decision. You don't want to. Did I want to stay home? Did I want to go away? And the biggest influence on 
choosing to go to the University of Windsor as an athlete and not go to the U.S. in the NCAA route or schools away from home was coaching. I realized that if I was away from home, I wouldn't be able to actually coach. I'd only be home for three months out of the year. So you can't coach. You can't dive in and really coach a team for, for three months out of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can help out in that. So I decided to go to the University of Windsor. Um, and so this now, flashing forward, will be my 13th year at the University of Windsor. 13th or, oh, now my math is bad. 14th year at the University of Windsor in 2021. Um, five as a player um, and uh, eight nine as a coach, uh, first as an assistant coach and now as a head coach. So, um, I bleed blue and gold, which are our colors. I, I am very passionate about returning, um, our school to the glory it's, it's had in the past. And, and, uh, so I'm really happy that kind of my journey's come full circle and I've been able to lead the program now. The cool thing that I heard, I think it's cool that the coaching was an opportunity for you and your brother and your dad to to have some of those close moments, like you said, because of his work schedule and stuff. So mm-hmm. there wasn't those opportunities to kind of like hang out and, and do the, the dad son kind of things. Um, was, was his coaching and all that, was that a huge influence on you deciding like, Hey, you know, what, coaching something that I, I think I want to get into as well. Yeah. My dad had a very rough, tough exterior. Um, he was that guy. He was that, uh, you know, if I didn't get straight A's, he didn't like that very much. Uh, um, he was always giving me the, the pep talk on the way home, but the one thing he was always rough and tough to me, but then I, um, and he, listen, he was really tough on his players. I'm not sure his coaching style would do well in 2021, <laughs> to be honest with you, Different time but back then, wasn't it? In, in, in saying that, um, I, I saw the way kids admired him and looked up to him and, and he was influential. And there's a lot of kids now, um, who, who played at high levels or have played at high levels, um, who were very influenced by him. And, and the biggest impact for his coaching on me throughout my entire life was when he passed away. I, I didn't really want to, do, I didn't want to go down this path, but anyways, here we are um, because it is a big influence on, on, on where I'm at. Um, when he passed away three and a half years ago, the, his former players from Michigan, from Florida, from here that sent messages randomly, like I don't even know how they found out that he'd passed away about like your dad was this, your dad was that. It was so great. Um, really taught, it opened my eyes to how much of an influence we actually have on players um, as coaches and it grew my passion even deeper. So yeah, being around him and seeing that beyond the family bonding stuff, um, it really has shaped, I guess, why I'm even in the game. That is so cool. I literally got chills on my <laughs> Yeah, I was, gonna say, I did, I did, was not expecting to go down that road. Um, it's not a story I tell a lot. Um, I really, anytime I speak to recruits or or players or clubs about the university of Windsor, I always emphasize, um, our culture is built on the idea of family because I'm lucky enough that my brother is also the men's coach and it's, it's, we're able to work together a lot, but it's the most important thing to me. So, um, you know, when I bring my one-year-old over to practice, like the girls all, all know her and, and, uh, I can't wait till she can continue to down that path so family is very important to me so i just wanted to touch on it but i went a little deeper than i was expecting yeah right on i think it's cool too because you even talked about um the sacrifice that your mom had to make even to kind of Mm. like i love the fact that who knows where this was going but she was like it sounded like she was like i'll yeah i'll run you to practice like i love the fact that you're getting involved you're kind of following in your in your dad's footsteps so i think it's really cool the idea of family that you're it seems like it's kind of bled into you from what you've 
you've experienced like as a youth and growing up? Yeah, I always have to ask myself the question of like, what happens if my daughter isn't into the game? Because you know, I have a one-year-old now and, and uh, when she's, I, I, I bought her enough soccer balls and stuff, uh, soccer stuff, and when she crawls away from them or walks away from them, I'm like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> so, no, it's, that's exactly it. And, and um, it's, it's a big, it's a big influence on the recruits I have in my program, the players I interact with family in, in general and, and the community we try to build here. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, that's a good way to describe it is it's really bled into me and has been able, you know, allowed me to grow. I think when, when people have parents who are really into something or sometimes you can see them go the other way, right. Of, I don't want to do that because my dad did that or my mom does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the opposite for me. I, I, I dove in head first. So what is the, what is the dynamic between you and your brother? Is it a, is it a competitive thing or is it, has it been, because I know I have, I have siblings and there are yeah. certain things that we could do really well. I have kids and some things they do really well together. Is this, do you kind of do your own programs kind of separate, but understanding that we need space or is there a kind of a commonality of like philosophies and so like that? Ryan and I have the same ending end goal in, in, in our philosophies. Um, how we get there, they're a little bit different, but we, we believe in the same things. We, we're very, um, honestly, he's very good at the building, the culture and environment. Um, and I believe that my strengths on the field are game model focused, tactics focused. Um, he, I, I'm gonna throw, there was a game last year, they were down one, nothing. They had a 90 minute lightning delay um and he called me from the press box and I was watching in the press box he called me from the press box he's like we need to come out there was 19 minutes left in the game and he said we need to tie the game what the hell should I do so I spent 15 minutes of the rain delay shifting their shape and everything like that those whereas our team culture meetings weekly he's in at all of them because I want his feedback and I want his reflection because he's really good at that so in in our league in the OUA and U sports the men's and women's teams play the same teams on the same weekends, like we travel together and, and that's the way our, our, our structure is. So our programs are intertwined, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Um, so we, we use each other's strengths to balance that where if he's reviewing his game model based upon his personnel, if he's reviewing film, he'll bring my coaching staff in to talk about it. And, and I use him for what he's really good at. And we've, we've really, he always jokes that the best coaching staff we could assemble would be him and I together. Um, but I refuse to do that. So it's, uh, it's, I don't know if we could work together that much, but yeah, our programs are very much together. Um, we're actually running a fund, a joint fundraiser right now, um, for, a, a black student scholarship at the university of Windsor and our players are kind of running that program right now. Um, and doing a, I'm not going to call it a run-a-thon, but we're doing the, the David Goggins four by 48 four by four by 48 challenge coming up here and uh, raising a bunch of money together. So our programs are very intertwined. Uh, like I said, whether we like, we like it or not, but we've learned how to use each other's strengths uh, to our advantages. The, the, I think it's cool because the more I get talking to coaches, the more that, that people have all said, when I reach out to other coaches, there's this like feeling that others are very guarded and won't share ideas. And I'm finding out that that's not the case, that coaches love sharing ideas. The other thing that I think is even, even neater or cooler for your dynamic is, that whole brother kind of thing, the fact that you two lean on each other, has that been something that that was even as youngsters, like you guys always seem to have each other's back or it seems like you have a good yin and yang kind of like where you may be weak, he's really strong. And it just seems like you guys mesh really well. 
we're definitely, we have a third brother as well. Um, his name is Alex. He's a younger brother as well, but there's four, four years between Ryan and I, and five years between Alex and I, I'm the middle child. So I got all the middle child. Ten- if you could pull out the stereotypical middle child <laughs> syndrome out of the dictionary, I'm all of them. Um, but nine years is a big gap, right? Yeah. So it wasn't like we're two years apart and we were fist fighting all the time. Like when Ryan's in high school, I'm in, you know, sixth grade. When, when Ryan was in university, I was in, you know, great ninth grade. So it's, there was a big, there was differences. So we always t- typically got along because we didn't have a ton of common things to fight about. Right. right. I was always the, you know, wanted to hang out with his friends. He didn't like that very much, but, um, <laughs> but later in life, we're definitely competitive. Don't, don't get me wrong on that side of things. Um, he likes to, he, he likes to joke and sandbag about, Oh, Daniel's going to nationals this year. So get the planes ready guys. He tells our, our athletic director that all the time. Like just get the planes ready. Might as well book the tickets now. Uh, Daniel's good. And then he sandbags his own program. No, but it's, uh, it's been good for us. We've always kind of support each other in that way. Him and I are very different people in our personalities. Um, the things we're passionate about in terms of, you know, our day to days, how we approach things. Um, so it's, we've, we've come to learn, um, what he, you know, we're good at. He's, he's a very type, he's the type of person who, not that he he's, I, I don't want to call him negative, but he, he, at times he always looks at like, what's my least common denominator where I'm looking at what's, what's, you know, where's my ceiling, right? Like, um, how can I break through my ceiling? And he's, and he's looking at how can I build the strongest foundation possible? Um, which is just a different, it's just, you know, a different look. Um, so yeah, we've, we've come to really play off each other really well, which is, is good because it, obviously it wouldn't work out if, if we didn't. And, um, with, with, you know, strapped resources as well, um, where we are. And I think everybody's going through it right now, especially, um, if we don't use each other, um, and each other's staffs for help on, on certain things, you know, if, if, for example, I did, we were doing presentations right now for a lot of clubs around Ontario, and we've been kind of alternating, like we're doing them together, uh, men and women at the same time. So <clears throat> we've been working together, like, Hey, you take care of this club's presentation. I'll take care of this club's presentation. And then, you know, we'll present them together. So any way we can bounce those things off each other, we will. Is the, is the club presentation, is that a, a recruiting tool? Yeah. So it's, it's really an awareness tool. Um, and then a recruiting tool, um, for us is I'm, from a recruitment perspective, I've taken a unique approach to it. Um, and we can get into, you know, the university of Windsor a little bit if we want to. Um, but I was basically in a place where I was rebuilding a program. They had three really down years and I was an assistant coach. So I was part of that. But, uh, as you know, assistant coaches can only have so much influence on a program. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been re- rebuilding from, from scratch. So whole a lot of new blood and players um so we're reselling our program and our culture we rebuilt our culture and our energy and so i've been i'm big on karma i believe in that wholeheartedly so um i've become a resource for a lot of players around the province who just want to talk about um college and, and university soccer and and where to go and why should i choose canada over the united states or i've had players call me and be like i'm i'm really i had a recruit call me last week or two weeks ago now who said like they set this goal on their vision board when they were 13 if they want to play division one soccer i said then why are you thinking about coming to windsor like i don't right like if that's what you want to do why is windsor on your board it's like well i love everything you, but i said yeah but achieving your there's something special about achieving your goals so in the whole recruitment process i really i just try to lend a hand and be a resource to to people 
the thing that I that I hear even within that conversation you had is is you're honest and you're not selfish. You're not saying like, dude, I want you to come to Windsor. Like I know you want these recruits, the quality players to come to you, but I think the cool thing is like even talking about the pros and cons of of staying in Canada versus maybe coming to the States or like you said, if you've got a dream, and I think it's the idea of you said earlier about the ceiling, like if your goal is that ceiling, then why to Windsor, which is, you know, maybe not that ceiling at this point. Um, and, and, and that's exactly, I was, I was talking to a girl the other day who was, had been on trial at, at a couple uh, women's clubs in England. Um, she had went on trial to Stoke. She was on trial at um, Burnley, one other, and, and then she tore ACL. And so she's talking to a lot of, she's 16. She's talking to a lot of Canadian schools. She's talking to a lot of U.S. schools, yada, yada. I know that that kid's not coming to Windsor. I don't, I don't have the financial backing to give her. I'm also not the pathway to, to pro for her, mm-hmm. right? Like if that's what she wants. And so I'm like, okay, well, what calls do you want me to make? And I, I'm 45 minutes into this conversation. I'm like, I've seen your film. I, I've spoken to coaches who, who recommend you. Um, I've watched your recovery training. You're six months in the ACL. I don't know who cleared you to do that, but you're, you're very capable. Who do I mean? You know, who do I mean to call? And then, and I've been working with her and, and finding ways to, um, to give her awareness right now as she's going through her recovery. And I'm not vouching for her, but I'm just putting her on people's radar. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, for me, it's, it's like I said, karma. Um, but also when I, I'm doing my A license right now, my Canadian A license and going through like our, our personal reflection, um, the question was like, who are you? And I realized that like, I'm an educator who thrives off of the success of myself and others. So if she goes on to be really successful, I'll take a W in that. And, and hopefully it comes back to me in, in the long run. That's, that's some powerful stuff. I love it. The other thing too, that I think, um, which you've talked about earlier with like with your dad, with all those players coming back is that she is now going to go and have teammates who maybe not up to her level who say, I just, I'm not good enough to play at a super high level. And she's going to think of a coach like you or a program like you, because you took the time to talk to her for 45 hour, hour and a half, and even helped her connect with some people. So I think it's that all the way back to the beginning of our conversation of developing family and like bleeding, like you're continually giving it out with no prejudging of who you are, what you're going to get you personally and your program at Windsor is going to get back in return. Yeah. Like I said, I think the biggest thing with, you know, and, and Windsor's a small town. I mean, Windsor has got 250,000 people, Windsor, Essex County. It's, it's a small, small area in terms of, I mean, it has one university, one college um, and college is different here than it is in the U S it'd be more like to what community college is over there. Um, so it's, it's small. There's not a lot of access, but also we have one real main team um, at every age group, really um, boys and girls. I can't recruit all 18 of them. Right. So my AD asked me one day about why I was, I was on the phone with, with a coach of, of, of another school in, in our conference uh, about a player. He said, why, why are you doing that? And I was like, because I have three of her already. I don't need another one, mm-hmm. but she's a good player, but I'm just not recruiting her right back this year. I'm just not. So <laughs> I'm, I, I want her to go continue on and play soccer and I can't wait to beat her. So when she's there, so, um, 
and so it's for me it's it's i'll get on the phone i'll make reference calls like you said and it it all works out in the end because it you know my my big thing is build as much reputation for myself and my program around the province as possible um i uh my if i were to look at my vision board and i'm using that term as a as a a trendy terms i don't actually have a vision board but you know <laughs> where i'm where i'm going and why i'm doing this all um my wife asks me this all the time and why i work 18 you know 16 hours a day with at two jobs <clears throat> legacy right i i've seen what i've seen what my and not legacy is like i want to be famous and want people to know me but i saw people come back when my dad passed away and talk about when he coached them when they were 13 years old well i, I want that right and and i want people to like you said to come back and that's why i do what i'm doing what i'm doing so you have talked about it sounds like a decision that a lot of players in the province and in canada have to make is if i'm good enough to go to the next level out of high school do i stay in canada or do i go to the us what are some of the like i don't i don't want to use pros and cons but what are some of the differences between like Canadian soccer and U S soccer. Is there any, uh, um, I, I don't think there is any, and, and I would say that there is a more direct path to professional soccer going through the U S but then, you know, this as well as I do, like you're talking, there's only, there's only a couple dozen schools that are really pushing people through the pro system or have the ability to, or, you know, are creating that awareness. You also know that if you're good enough, you're good enough. Um, that being said, now on the men's side, especially with the CPL, with us having our own domestic league, um, the CPL has a draft right out of university here. So, um, and there's three rounds. So that's 25 players that get drafted every year. And also they have amateur contracts in, in our professional league now as well. So university players can actually sign amateur contracts and then come back to school in the fall. So they, they play throughout the summer. So there's more direct line now. And, and we're seeing a lot of kids, uh, men stay in Canada, um, who maybe would have gone away before, be and they're and they're going to the top ten schools in the country, um, but which which Windsor unfortunately is not there yet, um, but they're they're seeing that and they're staying here because hey I can go to the CPL and and in the three years of the CPL they've they've transferred something like thirty something percent of their players um, overseas. So it's becoming a stepping stone for Canadian players. Also, it's, it's giving a lot of, you know, the, and, and, you know, this, this is why domestic leagues need to, this is why the USL is so important, right? Like to the MLS, even like guys who wouldn't make Toronto FC's roster or Montreal impacts rosters, like domestic players, um, homegrown guys are going to the CPL on loan and they have somewhere to play pro soccer um, and, and then going from there. So it's, it gives a little bit of a pathway um, now. Uh, women's is still tough, but um, I know Canada has plans for that. But overall, I mean, it, it's really understanding the players' ambitions and then making sure that they're realistic. I think that's that's the biggest thing because, but I guess going back to your original question, because I went off on a professional tangent there, um, which I tend to do from time to time. So I, I've, been, I've been getting better at reining myself in. <laughs> um, the pros and cons, I mean, it, I always ask athletes the question of like, do you want to stay home or do you want to go away? Because that's, that's the question you have to ask because people always put the, the Canada versus the U S thing for us, especially being a border city, this happens all the time. 
But for us, going to Western Michigan, which is a mid-major um, in Michigan, plays in the MAC conference, or going to Western Ontario, which is in London, which is two hours east of us, is the same distance from home. The only difference is you have to cross the border. Mm. So people think like U.S. Canada, I'm like, well, actually, it's home or away. Because for us in Windsor, crossing the border is not a big deal. I mean, it's not allowed right now, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but all our athletes from Windsor are, are there on student visas, so they're able to cross and go to school. Um, but so it's, do you want to stay home? Do you want to go away? Then it's find education that's right for you. Um, we've been recruiting from the U.S. quite a bit. Uh, our men's team has two academy, uh, U.S. developmental academy players on their roster now. Um, they're getting more inquiries than ever. I mean, education here is cheaper, um, significantly cheaper. So um, we can't get as much scholarship money, but it is cheaper. So the, the, the last thing that we always talk about is if you want to go to nursing and you go to the U.S., I'll use that as an example, and you want to go to the U.S. from Canada, you have to really consider whether or not you're going to stay there because you have to come back and research and do all this other stuff coming back to Canada to be a nurse in Canada. So if you're going there to take nursing and then coming home, you have to consider, you know, that's an, another six months to a year of school. Um, there's all sorts of this. And then the last thing is quality of education. I mean, you, it's why, why are you going to university? If, uh, what are your goals and objectives of going there? Um, there's, there's a, there's a, I don't know the, the term exactly for it, but, there's a lot of schools in the US that aren't accredited that aren't gonna provide you the education you need. Um, you can go play soccer at them, but they're, they're, it's, it's hard to, to get a job or hard to get into grad school afterwards based upon that degree. Um, so you have to do your research. Um, I wouldn't blanket statement say Canada has a better education system because the top level in the US is the best in the world. Um, but I would say that our, going back to my brother, the, our, our, our low level, like, our bottom standard is still very high here. So when you look at education, you can go to any school around Canada and get a pretty damn good education that's transferable to grad school, medical school in the US and things like that, where I think you have to be more careful with how you choose things in the US. That's just my opinion. Some people would probably argue with me, but that's, <laughs> that is my opinion. I think it's really cool because it, it sounds like just from your experience of being at Windsor in the coaching field and doing recruiting and stuff, you have kind of this nice little checklist of here's some things that you kids have to think about before you it's not just oh I'm just going to go to the states and I'm going to do this because like you said you have to think big picture if you're going to end up back in this in Canada there's some different things run, done in the states as here and then like you said there's all the balancing acts of financial being away from well, there and, and then once exactly once you make that education decision or or you think about the school that's the best fit for you then you have to talk money right and I, I have a talk with athletes all the time. The, fun, the scholarship situation in Canada and Ontario specifically is completely different than the U.S. Um, so I, I usually, players I know who are being talked to from U.S. schools, I usually ask the question, if this is a financial conversation, I'm probably going to lose. So, you know, if that's why we're talking, like, let's lay that on the table now. If we can get past it, we can get past it. If not, then I can't, I can't recruit you. That's right. Like, if you're looking for, if you're looking not to pay a dime for school, that's not going to happen at Windsor. So unfortunately, so that's, that's what we have to talk about. So we're, we're trying to be very transparent and um, I am wholeheartedly, I try to be the most transparent as possible. I think if there's one thing my players would tell you about me, it's probably that I'm transparent, um, too, maybe overly sometimes they know too much. Um, but I am like that with recruits, that way they're very clear and they, they understand where they are and, and why they're here.
for me, that's just, it's refreshing to hear um, just the conversations and, and, and what have you, that you have with, with, you know, incoming players or even with your own. I think it's awesome because it, it, the idea of communication leaves everybody in the, in a good spot. So they know where they're at and kind of like you've talked about what you need to get better at, what, what you're doing well, what's, you know, what obstacles you could be facing or adversities that are coming up versus like trying to figure it out as the fires pop up. Like, look, we already knew that this was going to be something we're going to run into. Like, you know, there's a program that's really good. We're playing in two weeks. We know they're good. Don't be surprised when you walk on the field and they play at a high level type of thing. The biggest thing about transparency that I see, you said it's, it's refreshing that I, I would, if, if I'm going to give a message to other coaches of things I hear from players that I'm trying to empower people to stop saying is I hate when I sit down with a recruit and they're like, and they're like, well, this coach promised me all this playing time. I'm going to be a leader as a freshman. I said, let me get this straight. First of all, if you're going to be a leader as a freshman, that's probably not the most competitive program you want to be in. I asked the question to the UBC, University of British Columbia coach, who they won the national championship last year. I said, how many of your freshmen play meaningful minutes? He said, zero. If my freshmen aren't playing, we're not good enough. And I said, interesting, interesting point, right? And he said, like, and I bring in, he's one of the only other schools in the country that brings in national, like has brought in like youth national pool players in Canada that don't go to the U S. So, um, one of the things I say to freshmen all the time is, Hey guys, like don't expect to play in year one. And, and the way, the way we look at that for us is, is year one is we have a very, we're, we're getting a complex culture, um, simple to understand, but it's complex in the, in the demands that we have of the athlete. Because like I said, I'm not, I don't own anybody. I'm not paying them every penny to be here. Um, it's very hard to tell. I have a lot of walk-ons um, in terms of not, not getting any scholarship money. So it's very, it's very difficult to force a player who lives at home 30 minutes from campus to get up for 6 a.m. workout when you don't give them a dime of money. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I say a complex culture, that's why it's complex. It's because we, it's, it takes a lot of extra empowerment and motivation to want that player to be there right? To have to get up at 5 a.m. to eat, to get in their car, to drive to campus in the off season um, for a workout and then not have class till 2.30 in the afternoon, right? Um, it, it's a lot when you don't give them a scholarship. Where in the, I, I've, I've been there and I, my brothers went to the U.S. and I have other, you know, players gone to the U.S. where it's easy to get up or I'm going to cut you, mm-hmm. right? That we just, that just doesn't happen here. So like I said, it's complex culture. We have a complex game model. So the first thing that we say to athletes is year one is about learning how to be a Lancer. It's not year one. And then years two, three, four, and maybe five, so you can play five years in Canada, um, is about you repaying that back to the program. So I, as a coach, if you deliver in your freshman season, I am over the moon and you'll get everything you deserve. But I, as a coach, have zero expectations of you as a freshman. Zero. So if you, if I sub you in in the, in the 60th minute and you suck, good. I had zero expectations that you were going to be productive anyways. So um, I'm not going to hold that against you. Um, you see so many freshmen gets, get their opportunity in their freshman season and fall flat on their face. And then they don't see the field the rest of their career. And it's, it's, they collect their scholarship money, get their education, but they look back on soccer and they're like, what the hell was that? Um, we just, it's, it's a hard thought process, but for me, it's, it's, if I need the freshman to lead us to something, we're not going to win anything anyway. So why, why am I putting that much pressure on them? I 
That's so cool. I love the idea of the other thing that I, I thought was cool was it wasn't when you come in, here's the what I expect of you on the soccer side of things. It was, I want you to learn what it means to become a Lancer. Like what does that mean to be part of the Windsor soccer family? So it's not, it's going to be about showing up and doing the things and supporting your teammates that are playing and being like all the things that you've been talking about developing culture and understanding mm -hmm. tactics and all that stuff. So that when you get that opportunity in your second, third, fourth, or fifth year to repay it back, like you said, which I think is such a cool word to use is look, we're going to invest in you that first year. We're going to build you up. Cause that's a, the other thing I think that we don't realize, and I know you do is that's a huge transition for kids from high school where it's so structured and what have you, and you're at home with parents and all that kind of stuff to now all of a sudden you're kind of more independent. And now they expect, especially for someone like you said, I'm not getting paid to do this, but I have to set my alarm. I have to get up afterward. I still got classes. I'm still a student athlete. Um, so I think it's cool that it's a bigger picture kind of idea. It's it, you weren't like, Hey, look, here's what I need you to do soccer wise. When you come in, it's, Hey, I need you to buy into the culture and what we're all about here at Windsor. I, I had a conversation with, um, Becky Burley. I don't know if you know who Becky is, but she's the head coach of university. I mean, I think if you're around the game, you know, Becky's out there from a culture perspective enough, but I had a, um, I've had one, a few phone conversations with her, a few email conversations with her, but, um, I love her story from the, you know, when she got the team, when she was very young and I reached out to her after my first season and I said, we had a horrible first year. I, I knew we would, it was step one of a three-step plan, which I, I talked to her about. Um, I have little mentors here and there, but I don't have anybody really meaningful, which I'm searching for. And I was talking to her and I said, and she said one thing to me when I was talking about like the attendance stuff. And she said, you're looking at it too on the surface. She said, your players, my players wanted me to put strict, like you don't show up, this happens to you in place. These are more senior players who were part of the old culture who were like, no, no, this is what we need. And I said, that's not what's going to happen. So, um, and she's like, talk to your players. You don't want your players to be punished for not showing up. You want them to show up. So figure out how to get them there. Don't spend time figuring out the punishments if they don't. She goes, if, you, if, if you're sick of them not showing up, just cut them. Like at the end of the day, like that's, that's, that's where it's going. But figure out, spend your energy and your time figuring out how to get them to the practice and tell your players that too. Hey, we're not going to spend any energy punishing players for not showing up. We're, our focus is how to, how are we going to get there? So if we have a girl who misses three works in a row, our leadership council will call them up and be like, Hey, what's going on? How's everything going? Why weren't you there? And if they have, they've come back and be like, Daniel, she had three midterms this week. She's been studying till 3am. She's really struggling. She hasn't been able to get out of bed in the morning because she needs to sleep to 10 and then go to her 1030 class. And I'm like, cool. We need her to be at practice next week. We need her to be at, 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 at lift next week. So she had a tough week. That's good. And, and that was one of the, honestly, as a, as a coach at a university level, a young university coach, one of the most meaningful things that anybody's ever said to me is that because it made me look at everything as a university coach differently, playing time, right. Um, all that stuff. And, and it allowed me to also empower my players which, and it fit really, really well into our three kind of year process that we put in place when I took over, um, which was change the way we think, change the way we act, change the way we play. So going back to like teaching them how to be a Lancer, everything was about thinking like a university athlete, thinking like a Lancer, 
then year two, we didn't, we didn't have soccer. So it was actually fun to, to do it without having games to think about, but it was changed the way we act, right? Like um, you need to act like a university athlete 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and, and this year going into 2021 is going to be all about the way we play. So we've been building a good foundation of our game model and our tactics. And, and now it's going to be all, you know, reflected on the field. So what she said really reflected into that uh, process and kind of, I know I've thrown a lot of things at you, but if you can put the puzzle pieces together, it's kind of the foundation of who we are and who I am as a coach. So I can see it even, um, I can almost see it as a pyramid. You're like, what is to be a Lancer, how to act like an actual collegiate player. And then now at the tip is we built all this up as a foundation. And then within uh, that is all those little conversations. The other thing that I love about Becky's comment and then how you've taken it is instead of looking and focusing on the problem, look for solutions. Like what's a solution to the problem, which you even looked at when you took over the program, you looked at and go, look, what's going on right now is the climate is just not where it needs to be. It's not the right climate for success. We need to focus on re kind of inventing and figuring out what do I want this program to look like? I think that's cool. Like that you've taken that um, and put that into your program. Yeah, it's been, and combining that right now with going through my A license, I mean, going through licensing with 30 other coaches who have similar passions and energy and, and are, it's been unique because it's been all virtual so far. Um, but it's been great to, like I said, I, I take that tidbit from Becky, obviously very successful, very decorated mm -hmm. collegiate coach. I'm interested to see what she's going to do next now that she's stepped away from Florida. Um, so that should be interesting. But when I, when I look at them, taking all these tidbits and, and, and little bits of information and putting them all together and, and making them into my own. And, and right now, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I have an incredible group of athletes um, who are committed beyond belief to achieving a goal. Um, we had, I had a reflection meeting and, and you learn so much from your athletes as, um, as you know, I, I probably learned from more from them than they do from me. And one of my captains who's been with the school, <clears throat> She's going to her third year. She came in actually the, her first year when I was an assistant, uh, she came in with a torn ACL. So she didn't play. Um, and now she's, she's a center back for us. And if, if I put all my players in a pot, she's probably one of the three I could say could actually go on to play a high level after uh, university is, is done. Um, but she talked to me and she, and I, we were talking about her goals and, and um, two things stuck out to me, which made me realize about her mentality because she almost quit two years ago. Um, because she was just sick of losing and, and I had to help her with her mentality of like the long-term vision. The first thing was when I asked her what her most, the, the most memorable thing related to soccer or sport was in her life. Everybody I spoke to on my team had this like memory of a game or a provincial track and field. Like it's just something that was memorable or a tournament that, or where they went on with it, their youth team. She said the moment when in the game, when everything's on the line and you feel like your back's against the wall and you have to put every ounce of energy into trying to win. That was, I was like, okay, yeah. And it, that was the first question I asked in my reflection meetings. And that was crazy to hear that. The second thing she said, I said, what do goals and objectives look like for you? And she said, if, a, your if the University of Windsor wins a championship while you're the head coach, I will feel like we were successful, whether I'm, a, I'm on the team or not. And I was like, huh. And I, I, we, we unpacked it a little bit. 
And she's like, I feel like we're building something and it may take longer than three years. And if it takes longer than three years, that's okay. Because when I'm an alumni, I'll make sure I come to the OUA championship game so I can watch you guys win. And I was like, okay. Though you have those moments that like helps you realize like, okay, I think I'm on the right. I think I'm going the right direction with the program. When, when a player comes out and says that a girl who in her, in 2019 sat me down and said, I'm just not sure if this is for me. And I said, I need you to clear the, clear the smoke. And I need you to see what's, and we had a long like, two hour conversation in my office where she called me some names. And I think, you know, and because things were different than what she, they were. And, and, you know, she didn't understand why I was going to sub in a freshman in the 65th minute when we were one and nine and we needed three points to win. I'm like, because we weren't going to make the playoffs anyways. Right. But now I know that that freshman is actually got voted to our leadership council this year. So those sorts of things, it was a great moment. And to hear that conversation, it was like, okay, I, th I think this is going well because when you're a first time university head coach, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're just, you're just running blind. So when things are seem to be going well, it's, it's a nice refreshing moment. What a, the other thing that's so cool is, is you talked about earlier, earlier about legacy mm -hmm. and what she's focused on is I might, it might not happen now, the success with me here physically in the program, but I know that what I'm putting in and my legacy is going to lead this program so that I can come back and watch that success. So I think it's cool. Like what, the stuff that you're talking about, you're in, it's ingraining, like the kids are starting to latch onto it. I think speaks volumes to what you're doing and what you've set up there and, 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 and all those ins and outs. One of the biggest issues with the university game in North America is how short the season is, right? And there's, and there's, you know, forever conversation in the US about the men going full year. And I'm sure the women will be close behind. Obviously, um, there's a lot of big names, obviously, um, Sasha Sarovsky, who's actually from Windsor, by the way, um, um, from University of Maryland, and, and obviously, Randy Waldrum and others um, pushing it. Um, but so when we're sitting in a room at the start of our, my first season as a head coach, and we're talking about the long, I had four seniors in the room. Um, and I actually brought back a, a couple of seniors who were going to, um, who had left the program earlier when I was an assistant for a variety of reasons, I actually brought them back to bring into some leadership. And one of the players, which I'll, I'll highlight, is probably my favorite player I've ever coached in my entire life. Um, and everybody knows that. So I'm not really worried about People, me saying that, people are like, you have favorites. They all wear. She's actually a grad assistant now with me because she's in grad school. Um, I've coached her since she was 13 years old, right? So when she was the, the female leadership captain's athlete of the year at the University of Windsor a few years ago, that was a sentimental moment for myself. But she sat in the room as a fifth year player and heard me say that this was a three year plan, right? And basically, what does that mean to a fifth year player? He's punting this season, right? But what it did was when we weren't going to make the playoffs, our training session intensity never dropped. Our sessions, the season ended in October and we trained the day after our last game. And I wanted to give them two weeks off and they said, no, thank you. Let's keep going. And then December rolled around and exam started and they had optional workouts where we had perfect attendance. And and she, it was like, can I be on the coaching staff next year? And I'm like, well, why do you want to be on the coaching staff? And she's like, well, I'm still in school because I changed programs. I'm going to be here forever. And I, was, <laughs> and I was like, okay. I'm like, go. And she was the captain of the team. And she's like, I have to be a part of this. 
because the energy was contagious and um you know going through all of it the the big the big part of it in the end is um we need to we need to win games um so that's that's the end of it and and we haven't been able to play games um ontario canceled everything so we didn't have a spring season either um but it's 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 those types of moments are why i do it and um though like when i talk about grace is her name the girl i was talking about before and then keely this this girl that's why i'm involved because i feel like i'm i'm helping and, and building something more um and building something greater and something we can be proud of. And I, I mentioned um, something before about the fundraiser we were raising and I ha actually have the pledge form up to my left and I just saw a donation come in. So it reminded me of it, but in eight days, our programs raised $9,000 um, for a, a black, you know, a black student, or it's a BIPOC scholarship. Um, so black indigenous people of color uh, scholarship at the University of Windsor that our human kinetics um, department started this year in, in eight days um, and we have to go run 48 miles so that's a whole thing but uh um but like i the proudest i've ever been of us is this eight days nine thousand dollars we've raised um a bunch of students right and um it's it's been it's been fantastic so um i'm i'm now i feel like we need to have a check-in and i you, you need to make sure that uh, i'm actually following through on all these um goals and objectives that I have. Oh, don't worry. I will. I will. <laughs> I'm super excited because uh, I've just hearing these stories. Um, it's going to be really cool. Once everything kind of gets back to normal, you get to start playing consistently and, and I think get your vibe going and, and get that flow. The other thing that I love is that you aren't afraid or hesitant to reach out to like other coaches. So you said, Hey, the British Columbia coach, his team is really, really good. I called him Becky, who is just known as she's a hall of famer. You reached out and you've had like, what, what has kind of been the, the motivation, the impetus behind doing that? And what do you feel like you have gained? Uh, Becky's story was a great one, but do you, do you think that talking to those successful coaches has been a huge impact on you? Um, the, I'll go back to something I said to my athletes when I got the job. Um, I, I got the job a week before the, their spring semester ended. So everybody was going home. So I had a week to have one-on-ones and a team meeting. And the first thing I said to them, one of the first things I said to them was, um, we're going through this together. Um, I don't, I've never been a head coach before. I said this to freshmen when I brought them in. I've never been a head coach before. You've never been a university player before. So we're, we're in this together. Um, I'm not going to get everything right. So what talking to these coaches has given me is perspective. Um, if I can accelerate my knowledge um, by talking to people about people who've gone through it, um, I mean, I have so many tidbits to Becky's conversation that, that I could bring up, but, um, you know, even going through my A license, like hearing everybody talking, if I can accelerate my experience through other people's perspectives, then that's what I'm it's advantageous for my players. Uh, it's advantageous for my program because like I said, I had seven years in as or six years in assistant coach, um, being an assistant coach, typically it teaches you good and bad, but more than not, it tells you the things you don't want to do with your program because you see the really negative things. And then there was things positively, but, um, that's still you'd adjust to make your own with talking to these other coaches. It gives me perspective. I mean, I've exchanged a few emails with Randy Waldrum and others and, 
to hear about Randy's journey. And, and I, I don't know what podcast he was on, but when he got the job at Pitt, he, they asked him, they said the first thing they said, so what was the, cause he's a big culture guy too. Right. And they, and, and he, so what's the first thing you need to change? And he's like, I needed better players. <laughs> and, and, you know, I had that conversation with my leadership council this year. They asked me the question of like, what did you, what was the first thing you thought we needed to change? And I said, we needed better players. And they said, and that was a refreshing moment for me because not that I didn't think that way, but hearing him as decorated as he is and how successful as he is openly say that out loud. It's like, okay, I'm allowed to think that way too. Right. And so just perspective. Um, and it allows you to be, you know, if talking to people can make me seem like I've been a head coach and make me feel and have the ideals and the concepts and the philosophies and the theories of someone who's been doing it for 10 years, then I'll have as many conversations as possible because I owe it to my athletes. Um, and I walk out on the field every single day. My players asked me why I was going to get my A license because I don't need it to coach university soccer. Um, and I said, because I asked you to walk on the field every single day and get better. So I should be getting better too. Um, and they, they were, they were, they were very happy to hear that. And, and a few of my players voiced the fact that that was very refreshing. And, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's perspective, um, uh, and, it, and it trying to advance my knowledge, um, beyond my, my own personal experience. So. I think the cool thing is that everything that you have shared today, you, you, I just said, I just made a podcast the other day about walk the talk. Like we talk about character and accountability and respect and all these things that we expect of our players. But then there are times where, you know, we tell kids, Hey, you control the controllables. And yet I'm going to spend five minutes berating a ref about a call that occurred five minutes ago versus coaching my team or complaining about the field conditions or things that I can't. And so I, I love it's again, I keep using refreshing, but I love the fact that um, you're able to kind of like, look, I'm ex I have expectations for you, but that doesn't mean my expectations aren't at a high level. I have to keep them high as well. Um, and the other thing too is I think your story about Coach Waldrum is really cool because everyone knows if you've got a cabinet full of players that can get it done, coaching becomes a little bit easier, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, to come out and really say like, look, we've got to get better players in this program if we're going to go somewhere. And, and I think that comes back to goals and objectives, right? Um, I don't think that they, um, and I'm sure it cost money to hire Randy Waldrum at Pitt, right? Coming off of a professional contract. That's just my assumption, um, but I'm not gonna, I don't know what he makes. So, but that that's Pitt making a commitment to trying to win a championship, to try to win an NCAA championship. You don't hire Randy Waldrum to win your conference and then lose in the first round of the tournament, right? Um, so, it's a goals and objective things. I'm sure he sat down with his, I mean, he sat down with his boss, but sat down with the players. I did the same thing with my athletes. You know, why are we here? Um, are we here because we like soccer? Are we here because you want to win and, and change the mentality to people who want to win um, is, is what it's been. So it's not, it's not just about better players. It's about people with the right mentality. People who, like you said, when the season ends, realize that they still have a four-year career. So tomorrow is just as important as, yes, as yesterday was, even though their season's over. Um, and whether that means we need to recover because we, our bodies need to recover, because that's important too, um, or we need to go back to the gym or on the field. Um, it's about those, those goals and objectives. And, and I've been very um, 
you know, I, I talked about legacy in a, in a personal way of, of people showing up to my funeral or those sorts of things. But um, there's also the legacy, like, do I want to win 100%? Do I want to win a championship? Yeah. Do I want to be the first women's program to ever win a championship? Um, I selfishly have, there's two teams in the past 20 years that have gone to the final four from the University of Windsor, a men's and women's team. The only consistent is that I was the assistant coach of both. Um, and that is not a selfish comment to make, <laughs> but I, 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 I do make it to my brother a lot because I like to razz him up a bit. But my point is, do I want the first team to ever win an OA championship to be the one that I coach 100%? Or if it's one of my brothers that my brother coaches, I'll be over the moon from her. I'll be the first one to celebrate, but also I'll be a little bit upset that it wasn't my team. But, um, but I do want that. And so there's the selfish side of legacy as well, where I'm, I'm all for everybody else, but the, the, I'm doing all of this to win a championship, not to rah, rah, rah. Um, I'm dealing with a situation right now of one of my senior players who's a captain who potentially could be leaving um, and she wasn't supposed to be. And um, I'm, I'm calling people to give references and this and that. And she might play her last year at some other school and I'm calling them and I'm just like, no, it'll all work out in the end but I'm going to beat, I'm going to crush you just so you know. I said, when you get there, we're going to beat you just so you know. <laughs> Jesus starts laughing. So no, all of this is so I can try to win a championship, but uh, it's, it's also so my players can be successful and our program can achieve um, and we can continue to just kind of have a positive environment. Daniel, I've absolutely loved this chat. It's been so cool to kind of see the all the little bits and pieces, like you said, I, I can't remember how you worded it, kind of a jumbled mess of things mm -hmm. that kind of came together. But I know, I can tell you have a plan, um, your expectations and all those types of things for your players and for yourself. If, if people want to connect with you um, and kind of follow the journey of Windsor soccer and, and for yours, because now going for the A license. So I know there's mm -hmm. a lot of guys that are out there that are going through similar kind of licensing experiences. What's a great way to get in contact with you? Twitter's Twitter's a great way. Um, D, my first initial, Mendonca89 um, on Twitter. Um, yeah, but social media in general. Um, you might get some business content mixed in there as well. Obviously, I talked about uh, my you know, my other life as well. So, um, but that's where our journeys will be published. And then um, the University of Windsor Lancers website is golancers.ca. So feel free to follow on there. It's going to be a fun journey throughout this summer and leading into our 2021 season. So that's that's the best way. I will put all your social, your Twitter and uh, the Lancers thing. I'll also, I'll get the, uh, the link to your uh, fundraiser. We'll put that out there as well. Awesome. So if people can hop on there. Um, Cause it sounds awesome. Like they raise the money. The experience sounds <laughs> ruling. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. It, it sounds like it's for an awesome cause and all that type of stuff. So I'll wrap it up. Hey, this is Karen coaches corner chats and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.